Good evening, Broadway Baptist Church. Uh, it is my privilege to be able to preach tonight uh, virtually to everyone, so we're so glad that you're joining us for worship. Uh, I hope that this morning you had a, a wonderful service. Of course, uh, having Dr. Whitney here is such a privilege, and uh, I, I'm sure everyone uh, greatly enjoyed that. So I'm excited to bring the word to you tonight. Uh, we're going to be looking at a couple passages uh, so let's go ahead and, and jump in. The passages we'll be in today are in Hebrews chapter 12 and Psalm uh, 103. Uh, so being a father has taught me uh, so much about God and the heart of God the way no other experience in life has. Uh, it is really a, an incredible thing. As all you parents know, um, it is an experience like no other. You learn so much. Uh, you have feelings that you didn't have before children. It's just, it is a totally amazing thing and a gift from God. And uh, I'm about to welcome my second child. Uh, if all goes according to plan, that'll be in two days. Uh, from the time this is being recorded, I guess it's possible. I could have a child before then, but <laughs> as of this recording, the plan is that on Tuesday, October 6th, we will have our second child, uh, our girl, Ava Grace, so we're very excited about this, and I'm sure that this will only deepen that understanding of how God relates to his children. And beyond experience, the experience of having children, um, and most important of all, the Bible tells us about what the heart of God is like. So we learn about the heart of God from our own experiences many times, but our ultimate authority is in the Word of God. And our experiences should be shaped by the Word of God and how we understand those experiences. Uh, so that is how we ultimately come to understand what God is like, is through His Word. But He does allow us to experience, in some meaningful, meaningful way, how He relates to us through how we relate to our children. So the two passages we're looking at uh, in Psalm 103 and in Hebrews chapter 12, I believe show us the heart of God and how he relates to his children. Now the first passage we're going to be reading is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the father of spirit and live for they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them but he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness as christians it is vital that we know the word of god and that we are able to communicate what it says. And uh, this is certainly, I think, one of those passages. And, and that includes the whole counsel of the Word of God. So we don't isolate a passage and ignore it from all of the rest of the Bible. We must uh, 
not inject our own feelings into it, our own motives, and our own experiences. And again, experiences can have their place, but they're always to be shaped by the Word of God. So with this passage, I have heard this particular passage from Hebrews abused uh, by non-believers to say that God is a harsh, abusive, and unloving God. In particular, uh, when I was in college, I did not go to a Christian university uh, secular university, and at one point this passage was brought up by a professor who hated God, hated Christianity, hated Christians, uh, and he uses this passage to, to really say terrible things about the nature of who God is. But any honest reading of it clearly shows that it is love that, God, that drives God to discipline us. The discipline of the Lord is a good thing. And the world's reaction to this passage revealed to us how the world hates discipline. The world wants complete moral autonomy and moral relativism, and it is what our culture has embraced. So our culture, we have embraced the idea of anything goes for anyone to impose any regulations, any discipline on them is seen as unloving and hateful. So for God to have expectations, and for God to discipline is something that the world will reject. To limit or put any restrictions on behavior, it is really, it is anathema to our culture. Uh, so any, for God to discipline anyone is not how the, God made, how the God made in their image would ever respond. The God made in their image is a worthless idol. Their God is weak their God is like a deadbeat dad who lets his kids do whatever. No good father would ever let his children behave however they want without any discipline. So the world, their idea of God is something totally different than what we see in Hebrews chapter 12. And in Hebrews chapter 12, it even says, you know, it gives this idea of illegitimate children uh, of those who are not disciplined. A good father cares if his children disobey. A good father protects his children from harm through discipline. Remember that discipline isn't always negative. Uh, we form all kinds of disciplines in our lives, both from negative and positive reinforcement. A good father will do both. There is a time when the discipline is unpleasant, as the text tells us in verse 11. And, and oftentimes, it, it, as it says, it doesn't feel good in the moment. Discipline rarely actually feels good in the moment. There is a reward that it is after. So you could apply this to all kinds of things in life. Uh, but in particular, I think exercise is a good example. It doesn't always feel great to exercise. Sometimes it's painful. Um, you know, Maybe you have to go back to your, your school days when you were uh, in football practice or basketball practice, and you had to run laps, and the coaches kept saying, "Run!" You know, you just had to keep running, keep running, and and it was hurting. But that pain, as the expression goes, "No pain, no gain." And over time, that pain pays off. Uh, the training pays off. The discipline pays off. So it may seem unpleasant at the time. Uh, but ultimately, it is good. So there, there is negative reinforcement uh, in discipline, but there's also positive reinforcement. I know I had all kinds of discipline as a child from my father. 
And sometimes it was in the form of a spanking. I think that's maybe one of the first things that comes to mind when we hear discipline in this context, uh, is that there is a, a physical discipline that happens. Um, but thankfully for me, that wasn't often. I didn't, I mean, I got spankings as a kid, but I didn't get a lot. Um, uh, I was the youngest child, and I saw my older siblings get more spankings, and I knew for me not to get them. I just needed to obey and listen and do what was right. So the discipline that my my father showed on my siblings, it really paid off by the time I, you know, I was growing up and I'm the youngest one because I saw that. I was like, I don't want none of that. And so I, I, was, a, I was a pretty good kid overall. Of course, you know, I was sinful and in need of Christ, but that discipline paid off. And, and when I, after getting spanked a few times, I, I didn't want any of it. So generally speaking, I, I was no perfect saint, but uh, my parents will testify that I was a lot easier than the other kids uh, growing up. Uh, but there were other forms of discipline uh, that were in the household besides just like getting a spanking. Uh, that would be things like learning about work. I remember as a kid hauling firewood uh, back and forth and just thinking, is this day ever going to end? Um, and also uh, things like, oh, lost my spot here. From things like uh, working and also getting, like, my dad talking to us. I just hated uh, lectures as a kid. That, that, but that is a form of discipline, getting um, things about life explained to you or talked uh, to you so you can grow and understand. And those lectures, as much as I may have hated them in the time, those proved to be very fruitful in my life. And they were not in vain. Uh, these things... Uh, are disciplines. They are ways to discipline. Uh, and they are things that parents use as they teach their kid. But every single one of these methods of discipline, uh, they were vital for my development. And behind all of them was always the heart of my father who loved me unconditionally. And that's exactly how God works too. Uh, his discipline is not without great love, without great um, concern for us and for our well-being. So uh, when we read Hebrews 12, it, it may seem harsh on the surface, but when we understand what is ultimately saying about the heart of God, it opens up and it, it deepens uh, our understanding of how great and loving our God is. And I think in Psalm 103, we really have a great example, a great example of what the heart of God is like, and understanding Hebrews 12 uh, alongside uh, Psalm 103. So let's read uh, Psalm 103, not the whole psalm, but uh, particularly verses 8 through 14. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. 
For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. God's compassion for his children is linked to their fear of him. Uh, We see that in verse 14. God's compassion for his children is linked to their fear of him. Without the fear of the Lord, we should not expect the compassion of the Lord. Without the fear of the Lord, we should not expect the compassion of the Lord. We need compassion because we are as dust compared to a holy God. God knows this, and because of this, for those who fear him, God loves us in a way that is unparalleled and unmatched. And again, back to Hebrews chapter 12, those who are not disciplined by the Father, who do not take his discipline, who do not receive his discipline, it says that they are as illegitimate children. So the discipline of the Lord is a good thing. The fear of the Lord is a good thing. And we see and receive God's compassion as a result of that. So we must fear the Lord. And God loves us in a way that is, is truly unlike any other love in the world. So is God upset and angry with his children all the time? I think this passage clearly shows and indicates an emphatic no. That is not the heart of God towards his children. God is in perfect command of his emotional state at all times toward all people. The the world's idea of who God is, that, that God is always just like swinging on some huge emotional scale, big mood swings. That is not the picture of who God is in the Bible. Uh, God is certainly beyond um, any way we can perceive and comprehend as God is able to both be perfectly just and have, uh, have wrath towards those who, who hate him and oppose him. And God at the very same time has ultimate joy and delight and love. So God is in perfect command of his emotional state at all times. And towards his children, those who have been adopted into sonship through faith in Jesus, God sees as especially different. If you are in Christ, it is impossible for God not to look upon you with the deepest love and affection. You are his child. He gave you life. He delights in you. And yes, because you are his creation, uh, he delights in you because he did create you. But most of all, he delights in you because you are his creation in Christ Jesus. That is the ultimate delight he has in you, is because of Jesus. God delights in you because he delights in the work of Jesus in your life. And I think this is what we have in justification. Justification is the reason why God shows compassion and grace. This is what, you know, the idea of substitutionary atonement, the atonement of Jesus. God is slow to anger because of the work of Jesus. If we go through and read, uh, sorry, in verse 8, um, 8 through 14. Uh, that he is slow to anger. He is abounding in loving kindness. Uh, he will not keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins. Uh, his loving kindness is so great. Uh, he has removed our sins. He treats us as a child. So um, all these things about who God is. He is abounding in loving kindness because of his love um, 
His own love and Christ's love for you. He does not say angry with us because His anger was poured out on Jesus on the cross for our sins. He does not pay us back for our sins or deal with us as our iniquity demands because Jesus made the payment. His love stretches beyond the sky for those who fear and trust in Christ. Our sin is nowhere to be found for those found in Jesus. Through Jesus, all can have access to the Father, but it only comes through Jesus. And this kind of love and compassion is better even than the best earthly father can ever give. So, uh, you know, I, I think as a father with my own child, that love, it is, it is something that is unexplainable. And, you know, before the birth of our first child, you know, I don't know how many different men and, and women Mothers and dads all said, you know, how much it would change my life and, and how much you will love that child. And it is so true. It is, it is something that will never be replaced. Uh, it is something that, despite whatever may happen, that love will always be there. Uh, truly, anything could happen and that love will always remain. Uh, no matter what my child may do. Even if my child were to grow up and make terrible mistakes that would not change my love uh, towards my child. And this just is an insight into what the heart of God is like. He loves his children like no other. For those in Jesus, uh, we have a love that cannot be compared to anything else in the world. No one else can love us that way. No one else gives the way God gives. And ultimately, you know, when we think about John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. The sacrifice God made is unlike any sacrifice anyone else could ever made. Not only did He give His only Son in Christ, this Son was perfect. This Son was without blemish. This Son had never done wrong. God gave His very best through Christ, and Christ was obedient. And Christ loved us as well, showing compassion on us. Uh, he, he showed great compassion. He was always moved with compassion when he saw the crowds. Uh, but this is the heart of a, of a father. This is the heart of God and how much he loves us. So I'll close uh, with the words of, of a great hymn uh, that I, you're probably familiar with. Two of the verses uh, from this hymn. It's called the love of God. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star. It reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave His Son to win. His erring child He reconciled and pardoned from His sin. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade. To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for your love, that you have a love unlike anything else, that in your love you discipline us, in your love you seek to bring us to repentance, 
in your love, you will not let us err or, or run beyond your grasp, Lord. That, Lord, those who are secure in Christ, those who lean and trust in Jesus, can never lose your love, God. Our, our approval is found through Jesus, God. Lord, we don't look through, uh, for approval through ourselves or through our own work, but we look to Jesus. And God, we come to you and say, not because of me, but because of your Son, God. Because of what He has done. Show your love and compassion and mercy and grace. So God, would our hearts remember this? Will we remember how you are a loving Father? And as we're told in the New Testament, that you know, we cry out, Abba, Father, this is our cry. Uh, the cry as a children to a father, a father who loves and would do anything for us. Help us never to forget this. Etch this on our hearts, Lord, when we may be wayward, uh, when we may be struggling, uh, when we feel like we have no one else to go to, God. Lord, like the prodigal, may we run back to you, and Lord, you will be running towards us with open arms. Father, help us to see this, help us to experience this in light of your word, and Lord, may this drive us to obedience to you, and know that the discipline you offer is always good, and it yields uh, a harvest of righteousness. God, we pray and ask all these things in Christ's awesome and precious name, amen.